Hey, LA football fans, the Left Coasters here. I'm Matt. I'm Brian. And I am Tony. And if you enjoy the three of us bantering over NFL football, please feel free to give us a like on SoundCloud. Head to Apple Podcasts and give us a review and help this podcast grow. You can also find us at theleftcoasterspodcast.com. And guys, get ready for a show. Welcome back to week 10. Week 10 of the Left Coasters podcast. We have the ballerina dabbing over here. We have Dangles D'Angelo Antonio in here as well. My name is Tony Cavallo. This is the Left Coasters podcast. As always, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram under the same name. We have an email account, theleftcoasterspodcast at gmail.com, and you can find everything we've ever done on theleftcoasterspodcast.com on your regular Google Chrome, Skyfox, Firefox, whatever you want to do. Whatever you got to do. Skyfox. I'm making shit up. Don't worry about it. I'm angry because the Green Bay Packers lost. We're not going to do a what had happened when section because what had happened when McCarthy needs to get fired. And I've already talked about that for too long on this podcast. Instead, we're going to jump right into what happened in week nine, dive into week 10. We're going to be doing the Battle for LA section later. We're going to be doing gravestones. We're going to be doing the Sunday Pick'em with Dangles is still the champion returning from a third-place finish last year, still the champion this year, and yours truly, Tony Cavallo, finishing third once again. But it's okay. It's okay. We still got a lot of games. A lot, a lot of games. A lot of games. A lot, a lot of games. Yet. Once we, if I'm still in third place at Thanksgiving, then I know I'm in trouble. We're okay right now. But first, guys, we had a couple of fights that were crazy this weekend. On Saturday night, we had a great UFC pay-per-view that was supposed to be one of the best UFC pay-per-views of all time. In boxing, we had an amazing heavyweight boxer knock a guy out in the first round. He's the new man in boxing. So much the new man that I don't even know his name yet, but he will be a big star. Go find him on YouTube if you want to find him. But then on Sunday... The NFL followed suit. And I wanted to bring this up first, guys, because I'm astonished at what has happened suspension-wise in the NFL for some of these guys that came down. It's crazy. In in the Jacksonville-Cincinnati game, Jalen Ramsey, after the play nearing the end of the first half, pushes A.J. Green to the ground. A.J. Green gets up and gives him an old rear-naked choke to Jalen Ramsey, brings him <laughs> to the ground, starts punching him in the face with a helmet. It was borderline German suplex. It was, it, it, it was it, like, something if else. You, if, you, if you picked up someone with a German suplex by their neck. It was something else. <laughs> He chokes Jalen Ramsey down, starts punching him in the face before other people intervene, and both were ejected from the game. And then in Tampa, in Tampa, in the Tampa Bay game, we had New Orleans versus Tampa Bay. New Orleans is spanking Tampa Bay. And Jameis Winston, who is supposedly injured on the sideline while Ryan Fitzpatrick is out there, puts his hand on the back of uh, rookie cornerback Marshawn Lattimore's neck or back of his helmet. And then Marshawn Lattimore turns around, starts drawing at Jameis, pushes him away, and then out of nowhere... Mike Evans come through and spears Marshawn Lattimore to the ground before a bunch of people can intervene there. No one was thrown out of that game. But as we stand now, Mike Evans has been suspended for one game, and no suspensions have been handed down for A.J. Green and Jalen Ramsey. Guys, before we get to what the suspensions were and how you feel about them, are you happy or unhappy with seeing this kind of action on a Sunday night? Or Sunday afternoon, I should say. I mean, it's nice to... 
I guess, you know, stir up a, what has been so far kind of a humdrum NFL season. Like, there's been so much parody some of these weeks that the games have been, like, the games this weekend were actively crappy. Every single goddamn one of them were yeah, just were bad. bad football games. Like, I, I could have probably not watched this weekend's slate of games, and I wouldn't be mad that I missed. What's up? That I missed these games. Yeah. You know, you probably wouldn't either. Uh, after the Packers showing on Monday night against the Lions. Thanks, man. You're welcome. So I guess, uh, you know, for me, either in, in, in the situation with Jag- uh, Jaguars and Bengals, you either got to suspend both players or you got to suspend neither of them. Braga, do you like the hockey atmosphere that was shown on Sunday? I do because I, I don't appreciate the haymakers to a helmet. Like, that just screams stupidity to me from a player standpoint. But... One thing you have to know that is the common denominator amongst both of these fights is it's two guys, A.J. Green and and, and um, Evans, who are incredibly prideful gentlemen and really talented wide receivers who are playing on losing teams, who are playing on two teams that are going nowhere. So it's frustration, and I think that's what it is. It's this these two guys who just want to win and are just they're just frustrated that they're not in a better position right now and they're getting beat by. Well, better you could teams. see that. You could see that with AJ Green, especially. I mean, I, with the Jameis with the Jameis Winston and Mike Evans fight, it it almost looked to me as though when Lattimore started, you know, yammering at Jameis Winston, Jameis is pointing towards the field. Almost as if he's calling for someone to come and help him. Now I don't I don't necessarily know if 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 that motion was saying Mike Evans come and use your enormous six foot five six foot six frame to jack up Marshawn Lattimore the way that he did yeah. because it was it was borderline a spear like Bill Goldberg style and everything from behind the back like from behind while yeah. he was not like which gets you thrown out of games in a five minute major in the National Hockey League I you think- know let alone the NFL so. It almost looked like Jameis Winston was asking for him to come in and and hit him. Now, I disagree agree with you guys completely. I think it was uh, immature, it was childish, and no, it was shameful doubt. on both of them. And I do not want to see this on NFL Sunday. I'm all for jarring at the other people. I'm all for yammering. I'm all for trash talk. I'm all for all that stuff. But when A.J. Green and Mike Evans, who should be leaders on their team, especially A.J. Green, to do something like that to the opposing team when your team is losing— when your team is terrible, Cincy and Tampa Bay have obviously not lived up to expectations this year, and this was taking out frustrations on a better team and better players. I think it's cheap as all hell. Yeah. And I think both of these teams, both of these players, deserve to be suspended for a game. Now, Mike Evans was suspended for a game from the NFL. But Which AJ, he should be. A.J. Green has yet to be. Do you guys have any idea on why that is the case? I, I thought the A.J. Green thing was more offensive than the Mike Evans thing. My, no, actually, I don't, because I think the the Mike Evans move was incredibly dangerous. Was yeah. incredibly dangerous. He yeah. could have really hurt him and, and, and done so in a way that was un, uh, un, unworthy of a of a of a response now with with AJ Green and Jalen Ramsey those are two grown men it's uh, what what was his face Colin Finnerty remember that do you guys remember Finnegan Cortland Finnegan Cortland Finnegan. Finnegan and Andre Johnson got into a tussle I yeah. remember that and I remember thinking to myself you know those are just two grown men going after each yes. other and I think that what the, I put that under the category of AJ Green and Jalen Ramsey I thought both those guys were doing just enough to each other to 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 warrant a response now I think what Marshawn Lattimore did wasn't worthy of a spear to the back. That I mean, that could have that, that could have killed him. That, that could have really killed him. him. I don't think Jalen Ramsey was in any position, or excuse me, in any 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 fear for his life.
life in the same mm-hmm. regard. So I really think Mike Evans deserved, if not more than that one suspension, multiple suspensions. But I think it was, again, I think he brings out a good point, and that's uh, Dangles, is the 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 idea that if you suspend one of them, you have to suspend both of them. And I, who, who do you, who who's kind of the one at fault? I don't know. Do you stop that by suspending those See, guys? Uh, I don't know. To me, the Cortland Finnegan and Andre Johnson thing, if you remember, started on the field. They were like, I, yeah. think, I think Andre was blocking Cortland Finnegan, and that's led, what's led to the tussle. Yep. Jalen Ramsey gave a little bit of a shove to uh, uh But knocked uh, him over. No, absolutely. But that happens a hundred times in an NFL game after the play. And for A.J. Green to respond like that was ooh, amazingly disrespectful to the game itself, not just to Jalen Ramsey. I think A.J. Green deserves to be suspended as well. But the pun- punishment of them getting kicked out of the game, I thought, fit that fit the crime if you will to, to me i don't think ramsey deserved to get thrown out of the game but yes mike AJ evans did. didn't even get thrown out of that, that game that's crazy. That was that's crazy that's crazy how do you not get thrown out for that i don't know man but i, I can guarantee you that upcoming in this next slate oh, of games yeah. you're going to see a lot of refs be a lot more ready to throw that flag against some you. of these players but you before we move on i want to bring up a mary fuck kill because we haven't done one in a while we are going to uh name the six head coaches that are new head coaches, rookie head coaches in this NFL. And the two of you guys and me included are going to marry one, fuck one, and kill one. The six head coaches are, because they've all had randomly different years this year. The first one is uh, has yet to find his first win in Kyle Shanahan and San Fran. Doesn't mean he's not a bad head coach. Just no wins for San Fran. The next one is the two L.A. teams, your charges with Anthony Lynn and then your Rams with Sean McVay. There's also Buffalo with Sean McDermott. Jacksonville has Doug Marone, and Denver has Vance Joseph. Now, guys, marry, fuck, kill these new hires midway into this season. Dangles, who are you marrying? I'm marrying Sean McVay. I think that's a right, consensus duh. answer. Right off the bat, the most answer. improved award uh, absolutely goes to Sean McVay to take what he had, which was nothing. nothing. Coach of the year. turn it into not only something— but the most productive offense in the NFL. After being the, the least productive after offense. After being the least productive offense in the NFL. To do it in a division where there were two other teams that were expected to be like heavy contenders this year in the, the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. Both of whom uh, admittedly have played below their expectation level. But still are both formidable teams that the Rams were not expected to outpace this year. And they have. So kudos to Sean McVay and his team. I'm absolutely marrying the Rams. They're the one of the best teams in football right now. They're on pace to make a playoff spot. We're going to talk more about this later, but I love the way that they're playing football right now. Last year, they averaged 14 points per game. This year, they average over 31. It is a ridiculous change, and it starts with McVay. Brian, do you agree that oh, we're marrying 100%, 100%. All right, so then, Brian, who are you fucking? I'm going to fuck uh, McDermott. I, I really, you think so? Yeah, I really enjoy it. I mean, you, we, you know, I love one of my, uh, Dangles' favorite phrases, and that's uh, turning— uh, was it ch- chicken shit and chicken soup? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that phrase, and I think that that fits <laughs> McDermott to a T. You know, we we talked about there are three teams that we really talked about it being really terrible teams coming into the season. That was the New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills, and the San Francisco 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers have really lived up to that bill. They've and lived I, up to their shit. Yeah. They they lived up to that shit thing. But the Buffalo Bills kind of fall into that category of the L.A. Rams, where they're five and three and looking at a wild card spot in the AFC. And they've had their. Sh- I mean, they they just lost the New York Jets this week, and it was a bad loss for them but he has really done something to that team he has given them an identity and you this is right after trading all their players away i was gonna say the cupboard is essentially bare for them losing sammy Watkins, losing ronald darby losing marcel darius and losing charles clay early to an injury still with the record he has give this guy a 
two or three years and a couple drafts, and I who like knows him. what he can do. I and like and he came into this into this organization as it, from the defensive coordinator position at the Carolina Panthers for being a hard nosed military like guy, but also a guy who inspired having fun. And you can when you watch that sideline, they've got a swagger about them, and yeah. that's not something you can coach. That's no. not something you can teach. So if he brings that into the locker room, good for him. I'm fighting with that guy. I agree with you. I, I do like McDermott a lot. I'm not uh, fucking him, though, and I think me and Dangles are going to agree I'm going to Jacksonville. Yep, same. I really like Doug Marone, and this week proved it because he suspended Leonard Fournette, who is the all-star of that team. He is, I mean, that defense is playing wonderful, but Leonard Fournette, it looks like he's going to win rookie of the year now that Deshaun Watson sadly went out but Leonard Fournette is playing amazing and for Doug Marone to sit there and say hey we have a game that determines the leader of this division determine it's a huge game for Jacksonville this year and we're going to say listen Leonard Fournette you've missed x amount of team activities this week due to whatever reason you're sitting this game you are the star of this team you are the first draft pick number four overall but still if you don't act the way you're supposed to act we're going to sit you this game we're going to win the game without you with Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon and they did if anybody missed this uh, Leonard Fournette missed this past week he was sat out last minute by head coach Doug Marone because he missed among other things a team photo Uh, he missed some medical treatments he missed some team meetings over the course of the year and I love this move and it's one of the big reasons this week why I'm choosing Doug Marone as 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 my fuck for this particular segment because he set the culture right there and then he said I don't care how what status you are I don't care how good you are and it makes sense because and I, I said this to other people who had texted me and were like, oh, what do you think about, you know, uh, Fournette getting sat out this week? Doug Marone was an offensive lineman during his uh, professional career. He doesn't get pushed around. He is the one who pushes. And that, <laughs> I think, is evidence of, wh- you know, why he did what he did this week. I love the move. No one is going to step on him in that Jacksonville locker room ever, ever again, because if he's willing to sit Leonard Fournette out in a game, as you said, Tony, that could decide the division, he's more than willing to sit out anyone else on that team defense, offense, or otherwise. And the obvious, you know, the fact that he's been able to do what he has done with that team, even though as the defense is as good as it is, the fact that they're still winning with as bad as that offense is and as bad as their quarterback is playing is really impressive. So my fuck definitely goes to Doug Marone. Good for you, Dougie Fresh. You've made something out of nothing in Jacksonville. But they've also brought the best out of Blake Bortles. So that really is a credit to that offensive uh, uh, team. And and the other thing that has to be considered, the one thing that I, I think I gave the nod in favor of Buffalo instead of Jacksonville was that everybody here would agree that Buffalo had less talent than the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they currently both have the same record. So I think that was with a nod. But the thing that impresses me the most about Doug Marone is that Doug Marone went into that team and said, hey, we, we, we're going to win with Blake Bortles. We're going to win games, and 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 he made Somehow, people. Somewhere. And he, he made really people didn't have another that. choice. Chad Henney is his backup option. I mean, if I'm Doug Marone, I kind of, I, I almost don't have any other way than to go in with the message of it's kind of like it's kind of like you're an ump and you make a bad call, and even though you don't believe that you in the call you just made, and you know the guy that you just called out was safe, you got to stick with it because that's your credibility. I think that's the situation Absolutely. Doug Marone was in in Jacksonville, where he had no other option than to stick behind Blake Bortles at least for this season, Blake and the next season maybe Bortles. I can. T- Kind of take a look at where are we now and is he the future or do we need to draft somebody out of college? I dare you to find a team who is doing better with a shittier quarterback than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, there's no team in the NFL. It's amazing. There's no team in the NFL. So then let's move on to the team that we're going to kill. The head coach hired that we disagree with the most. We have three left with Kyle Shanahan and San Fran, and just everything's gone wrong in San Fran. They've lost four games by three points or less. Who knows? But now they have Jimmy G. Who knows what's going to come? We have our boy, Anthony Lynn, who's taken the charges. They lost games early. They won games late. 
all over the place with Anthony Lynn. And finally, Vance Joseph, who started off this season 3-1, and one, has since lost four straight and is now in the gutter at 3-5 and five and has just been castrated by his first team QB, starting Brock Osweiler this week. And obviously, he was not the answer. Bry guy, out of those three, who are you killing? I'm going to go with Vance Joseph. Uh, I disagree. I, I don't necessarily feel that Anthony Lynn, who's the other option, I think, for a lot of people, or Kyle Shanahan warrant that. I think Kyle Shanahan walked into, I mean, we talk about bear cover. Tough situation. Bear He's mother- got a terrible organization around him as well. Like, and and I, give him, I give him credit for the Jimmy Garoppolo move. He was given move. very, he, yes, he was given, I don't know how much of a hand he had in that. I'm sure oh, he, he had a hand. I'm sure he had a say in it. I, Shanahan was given awful tools to and, build with. And I think Vance Joseph, for me, the glaring, glaring red flag to me for Dan- Vance Joseph is, is he has the number one defense in the league up until this week. And I don't know how you go 0-4 on the road. Yeah. I don't know how you go 0-4 on the road. And I don't know how you have a negative 48-point differential. I'm with you, Brian. I'm with you on killing Vance Joseph. Absolutely. Really? He had, yeah. He has taken— He had the most talent. He had, exactly. That's And that's why. Because he had the most to work with, and he has produced the least out of it. And, I mean, be, the defense is very clearly able to be scored on. If you are choosing Brock Osweiler over anyone else as your quarterback, you have serious issues with your offense, period, full stop, end of Big sentence. Time. And that's why I'm not going to kill Vance Joseph because of how much Trevor Simeon has turned back into Trevor Seaman. That whole team has fallen apart at the basis of the quarterback. I'm killing the L.A. guy. Anthony Lynn has done nothing to me to look like he's going to be the leader of this team. And Phil Rivers is potentially could be a Hall of Famer. He is a wonderful quarterback, has been for a lot of years. And this team, with the weapons on offense around it, have not put it together to win games late. Same thing that happened last year is the same thing that's happening this year. Anthony Lynn has changed nothing. Vance Joseph has fallen apart because of the terrible quarterback play he has. And I don't think I blame that on Vance, who's mostly a defensive guy to begin with. Brian. Yeah, but you got to take into consideration that Anthony Lynn had a large number of injuries to that offensive line at the beginning of the season. They were they were hurting on that team for injuries. And and another stat that really stands out to me: the Chargers are three and two in their last five games. Yeah, the Denver Broncos better. are one and four. They, yeah, Denver has not won when they needed to. Yeah, you know. So it, it, again, I I just I go back to what now you got to remember: Philip Rivers, he might have a Hall of Fame career or might be a Hall of Fame quarterback, but this is what his third or fourth head coach. He hasn't really won with too many great head coaches, so that's a red flag to me. I think that's more on Rivers than it is on 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 um, Anthony. And I think Anthony Lynn has actually made good on Melvin Gordon's skill set. Yeah. So so. So, I, I, for for me, Anthony Lynn needs to prove himself to keep without this a job. doubt, without a doubt. But I, I I don't think I don't think he had more to do. He had more to work with than Vance Joseph did and did less. Okay. Unfortunately. Now moving on to the battle. For, oh, gravestones. Moving on to gravestones. Left Coasters. And now for this week's edition of Gravestones. In this section of the podcast, the hosts choose one team each week to throw six feet under and say that they will not make the playoffs in this fine season of 2017. Collectively, we have now killed six teams. The 49ers, the Bungles, the Bears, the Chargers, the Browns, and the terrible Giants. Brian will be up first this week. Dangles second. Myself third. 
and as soon as a host picks a team for the week, the other host cannot choose that team. Mr. Balzarini. Yes. In the past weeks, you've also killed the Jets, the Buccaneers, and the Arizona Cardinals for your 10th team, your 10th team to not make the playoffs. Who will you choose? This week on the Left Coasters podcast, I elect to send to the grave the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I know all of you at home who have been waiting, waiting for me to kill the Annapolis Colts. Not yet. Hold your horses. Not yet. Strategically, I will hold on to them because I know the Miami Dolphins. Led by a Jay Cutler. I mean, Matt Moore. Both. They both stink. Suck ass. Dangles is giving you the finger right now, meaning Dangles wanted to choose the Dolphins. It's a strategic play, Dangles. It's my own fault. I should have done better and pick them. So, Matthew D'Angelo Antonio, in past weeks, you've also killed those Jets. You've also killed those Bucks, and you have taken out the Indianapolis Colts. So for your 10th pick, you choose? The Arizona Cardinals. Good pick. Yeah. Unfortunately, the NFC West is stacked very much against the Arizona Cardinals this year, as much as I love Bruce Arians as a coach, as much as I root for Chandler Jones as a former Syracuse linebacker. The Cardinals are without a quarterback, and uh, they're running back is on the IR with a dislocated wrist and even their best wide receiver can't save them from a terrible offensive line and in a division where you've got two other teams that are just better than you so sorry folks of Phoenix hope for next year and with that all three hosts have now killed those Arizona Cardinals so let us have a moment of silence for Bruce Arians Carson Palmer and his broken arm and his career Finally, I will make it quick. I've killed Miami. I've killed Baltimore. And this week, I'm killing the man that licked all of the fingers on his right hand during his pregame speech and then got destroyed by the New Orleans Saints. I'm killing the Dirk Cutter-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston, Doug Martin, Mike, I tackle you from behind Evans, and Deshaun Jackson. Hard Knocks was a lie. And finally, now that we've all killed Tampa Bay and built a grave pool of eight teams, let us hang our head in shame and in silence for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And with that, let us move to the battle for Los Angeles. Left Coasters! And here we are back to life with the Battle for Los Angeles. Again, this is the Left Coasters podcast, Tony Cavallo, along with Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo, Antonio, Brian, the ballerina, Balzarini. And we are here to talk about the two teams that made us start this podcast, the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles Chargers, the two Los Angeles teams vying for our hearts. The Chargers were off this week. They had a bye. We will preview their game in a second. But first, let's talk about the L.A. team that played this Sunday. And, oh, boy, did they ever play the Los Angeles Rams. 
went to the Meadowlands, went to the Giant Stadium. And, uh, you know, they had some trouble in New York. I think they only won by 70 points. What was the final score in that game? Yeah, uh, 51 to 17. 51 to 17. The Giants, the Giants, who were an NFC playoff team this year, have clearly quit on their head coach, Bob Shitty McAdoo. I don't even know his name anymore. He's I a terrible. He's a science teacher. He's get a- to the cafeteria. Get out. Get out forever because your team gave up. Eli Apple, you are terrible. Landon Collins, who are you? Dom- Dominique Rogers, Cromati, also, you stink. Jared Goff, a eviscerated that team for a, for a, a career high in passing yards and in passing touchdowns dangles what happened in this game man you just had uh, uh, an unstoppable force meeting a very very movable pliable <laughs> malleable object in the giants defense it was really bad i mean i can't tell you the number of, we were watching watching the games at our, our good friend thomas jones wortham's house this past sunday and can't tell you the number of times i watched alex alche stand up and scream at landon collins or at at, at uh, uh uh dominic rogers cromarty or you know g- just give His me a name stinks. give me a name on the giants eli defense apple eli stinks. apple they were just getting blown away in coverage by uh, Rams receivers. And, you know, the other thing I think that the the Rams did that probably, you know, really helped to give them the edge is they got every single person on the offense involved in that game. And that is what puts them far and away, like, above just everyone else in, in that division because they have... They have the the offensive line to back up the passing yeah. game. They have the offensive line to back up the running game. So when you get all of your guys involved, uh, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different Rams players caught passes on that uh, on Sunday. They ran uh, a goddamn hook and ladder play. Where they yeah. threw it to Cooper Cup and he immediately lateraled it to Tavon Austin. You only run that play in flag football and in high school, and yet the NFL saw it on Sunday, and the Rams succeeded in doing it. Surprisingly enough, they only sacked Eli Manning twice over the course of that game. They only hit him four times, they pressured him five times. So that doesn't say that they got a ton of pressure through that terrible Giants offensive line. But every single drive, it just it was like the Rams were playing a different sport than the Giants are this year. And every team stink. has seemed like they're playing a different sport than the Giants are this year. They've got no run game. Their their wide receiving course decimated by injury. Their offensive line is garbage. Eli Manning does not look like a two-time Super Bowl winner at all. And their defense is well below expectation. Just there's zero parts of that team that is firing on all cylinders. I read the MMQB this week. My favorite NFL writer is Peter King. Every Monday morning he writes the MMQB, which is a way too long article about the weekend that was before and he had a great segment on the Rams this week and how good Sean McVay has been for this Rams team and Sean McVay said simply that like any great NFL coach he steals from other NFL coaches he hearkened back to a play against Dallas where Todd Gurley ran a swing route and found the middle of the field wide open that Jared Goff hit him for a long touchdown he stole that from Kareem Hunt and the Kansas City Chiefs from week one against New England the same exact play and Sean McVay said simply we have a lot of players that are similar to Kansas City and the way we can run this team is similar to Kansas City, so he steals plays that work from other people in the NFL, puts it in on uh, on practice days on Wednesday and Thursday, and even the defense gets excited when the offense runs a new play like that because they're like, oh, this shit's going to work. It's an exciting team. It's an exciting team in the NFL. Which is fascinating because you wouldn't actually, on paper, think the L.A. Rams compare as equal to the, to the Kansas City Chiefs as a team like, let's say, the Philadelphia Eagles do. The Philadelphia Eagles some of, uh, run a very similar offense, but what's really got to stand out to you is the fact that Jared Goff didn't get touched. He did not. Zero sacks. Line, man. Zero sacks. 
starts and stops with that offensive line's ability to do anything and everything they yep. want. 311 passing yards, those big plays. Jared Goff had time and then some yep. to get that ball to where it Andrew needed to be. Andrew Whitworth worth every penny. Absolutely. Well, And this is against the defensive front four. Theoretically, that is going to give quarterbacks a lot of trouble with Snacks Harrison and Jason Pierre-Paul uh, and uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, the rookie that they have out of Alabama, anchoring the, you know, the, that, that, the front of that defense. You'd think this is a defensive front four that would get pressure on just about any quarterback in the NFL. Nope. And Andrew Whit- Whitworth, Roger Saffold and company doing an excellent job of keeping Jared Goff upright. And I'm very impressed with his accuracy. He was Jared Goff hit every throw. When that that posted I love Sammy Watkins. The fact, oh that, the fact that the fact that, that he's showing gorgeous. that he can make uh. every throw in the book because this is what concerned me last year. Yeah, was that he was not showing that he could make the typical quarterback throws that you need to be able to make. What was the offensive coordinator names last year? What was his name? That Bur- uh, Barana, uh, or was it Rob Boris? Is Boris. That's, yeah. yeah. Is he crying into his cereal every day, <laughs> seeing this Todd Gurley and <laughs> Jared Goff led team? It's essentially the same team, other than Sammy Watkins added on. I think he's up in Buffalo of all places. He's the uh, he's been demoted to tight ends coach in Buffalo. He has to be slitting that's his wrist. Job. That's his he job. Slitting this year. his wrist, seeing this team. Congratulations, as as you're coaching Nick O'Leary. <laughs> <laughs> who's having actually a pretty good year. But the, but going back to Jared Goff, the one thing that also has to be said is the fact that, like, we always heard coming out of the draft, we even heard on, like, Hard Knocks last year that when you heard his ball f- fly, yep. everybody was it like, zipped. it zipped, you you could hear it. You're actually seeing it, and it's 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 quite a thing of beauty because we're off, we're obviously seeing Carson Wentz coming into his own in his own way. We're actually seeing Carson uh, uh, Jared Goff come into his his own way, and actually I I'm more intrigued by the fact that Jared Goff fits that NFL like Matt Ryan, uh, uh, Tom Brady kind of quarterback mold where they just get the ball where it needs to be. And he legitimately on that Sammy Watkins play threw it over 65 yards in the air and probably could have thrown it With for longer. Ease. Now question. Uh, before we move on to the next game they play, gentlemen, are we looking at this Rams team and saying they are a playoff team? Absolutely. Yep. Not a joke. Yep. yep. Totally. Th- not I- a I'm joke. I'm dead serious. I think it's no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not kidding at all. And I think, I think it's something people need to start to get used to a little bit. So, so you know, here maybe for the first time, consider it. The Los Angeles Rams are a playoff caliber football team you need to get used to it you need to start saying it to yourself you need to repeat it in your head because they're not only potentially competing for a wild card spot they might win this division i think we need to start planning that if they win that division and host a playoff game i think we need to start planning a satellite podcast for the playoffs wherever we record that whether it's at a tailgate whether it's at a bar you let us know where you want us to come and do a satellite left coasters podcast for the rams divisional playoff cha- uh, championship their playoff matchup you let us know at the left coasters podcast at gmail.com and we will come to you we will set up this whole shop and in, in a bar somewhere and do a playoff an matchup, a playoff podcast for the Rams because it's happening, gentlemen. It is happening. And not only is it happening, it's happening at a time when Seattle, the the, the in-division rival who could very well be the only threat. barrier yeah, the only threat. to them not just getting into the playoffs but having a bye. 
having a bye. That's true. That's that's really what's interesting is they're not just a playoff team. They're it, it ain't coming from the NFC North that bye team. No. And the NFC South, I mean, I think uh, Carolina and New Orleans might beat each other enough in Atlanta too. That they I don't won't have get a bye. I don't. I mean, we've talked about this in the past. I don't think you can count on Cam Newton win every week like the way the Rams are winning. We'll talk about Cam. In we a will. We will. But, but I yeah. think. But you're right that if you look at every other division, NFC East, NFC. I think the NFC East has a really good shot with yeah. the Dallas Cowboys. Well, with Philly. In Philly. Yeah. Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but but as far as you know, being the better, uh, having the better record, and, and God, getting, that'd be so sexy. That would be oh, sexy man. as fuck. Oh man, and what a what a what a eruption from Sean McVay. And I think it's going to continue next week. So that means, who do we have next week for the Rams? Before we move on to the Chargers, we have a home game against the Houston Texans. This would have been the game of the week, the year. Had an awful injury not happened at Wednesday on Wednesday of last week at Houston Texans practice. Easily the most electrifying player to come into this season, Deshaun Watson, went down with a non contact in the return out to be a torn ACL. Tom Savage is not defeating the Los Angeles Rams. God, nope. no. He sure isn't. No chance in hell. What's the one thing the Rams need to do to win this game, Dangles? Play like they did against the Giants, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Continue <laughs> the train of rolling. Yeah, seriously. Literally just do everything you did last week. Keep Todd Gurley involved. Keep Jared Goff upright. And most importantly, keep everyone on the offense involved. I think is make Savage beat you. I mean, though I look at <laughs> yeah, right. Though, but is Savage gonna beat you? No, but no, no, I'm, not, I'm not laughing at your point. He's I'm right. laughing. I'm laughing at the concept of Savage beating. You. I was about to say. I mean, I, I, if I'm an offensive coordinator for the uh, Houston Texans, I'm going. Hey, we gotta, we gotta make magic. I, I'm a fantasy owner of Lamar Miller, and I gotta tell you, I would love to see him just go for 200 yards and two touchdowns and three touchdowns, but he hasn't had that kind of game with Deshaun Watson. He's not going to have it with Savage because they're going to have nine, ten guys in the box, and they're going to make Savage throw the ball deep with the with with Hopkins and Fuller and all that, and I just don't see it happening. See, that's the, I'm, I'm the opposite on there with you. I do not want to let Tom Savage beat me because I think DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller are two of the best wide receivers in the league. But and they're not going to get the ball. And together they are very, very good. I think you need to attack Tom Savage. I think you need oh. Oh, send yeah. blitz after blitz after blitz and make him move his feet and because he can throw the ball deep. That It's not a good team when he's leading it, but he can throw the ball deep. And DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best in the world at what he does, and he's better than the Rams cornerback. So DeAndre Hopkins can make plays and steal a game. What what What's going to be really important for uh, Wade Phillips to do is, to, I'm uh, like I'm sitting here telling him how to do his job, but I think first and second down are really going to be crucial to yeah. that game because if you Just can keep him in third and long, keep, yeah. keep him in third and long and make Savage, make him be predictable. If you can make him be predictable, you will win this game, and I think it's very likely they will. I will say that I did watch Tom Savage overthrow DeAndre Hopkins on three or four different occasions this past weekend, which does not instill a lot of confidence in me that the deep ball is there, is there yeah. for him at all. I, I and, and I mean, you know, to your point about making, you know, uh, uh, making him throw the ball, and yes, he can beat you deep. A, the question is, is that accuracy there, obviously? And B, is what is he going to be able to do when he does get out of the pocket? Because this past Sunday, watching him, he he's incapable of making plays outside the. Exactly. He if he's on the run, if he has feet. to bootleg, he, he, he's a pocket passer through and through. Dangles, who wins this game? Uh, absolutely, the Rams do. I agree I, with I you. just don't 100%. see any way the Texans find 100%. a way to win this. Brian's there, too. We're all on the Rams. Who do the Chargers have coming off of the bye, a well-timed bye I'm for this so Chargers team? This. Who do the Chargers have this week? I'm so excited. The Los Angeles Chargers will be playing at the Jacksonville Jaguars. In Woo! Jacksonville. In Jacksonville. Bank. Against, at the bank, baby. Against a scary, scary defense. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, guys, so this is a little bit different than what we had for the Rams. Dangles, I'll go to you first, the lover of all things Jacksonville. What's the one thing the Chargers need to do to steal a win in Florida? 
uh, they need to figure out the code to crack this Jacksonville secondary. The secondary is already showing itself to be one of the best just overall in terms of youth, in terms of fire, in terms of the ability to defend one-on-one coverage. There's no one better in the NFL than Jalen Ramsey right now at defending you one-on-one He's press amazing. coverage. He's, He's incredible. Amazing. He shut down A.J. Green to the point of making him suplex him on Sunday. Like He frustrated, <laughs> he frustrated him to the point of physical violence on Sunday, and he knew it after the game in his, his post game press conference too he's very very smug very swaggerly as he as he often is uh the chargers i mean melvin gordon's got to have a career day first of all if he's going to do this the, the passing game from philip rivers need, he needs to have the best day of his life because this this front four they, they're called saxonville for a reason they're going to be pressuring him all day long and i think the chargers offensive line has a huge uh, task ahead of them who do you pick i am picking the jaguars in jacksonville to win this game Brian, what's the one thing that you need to do to win? Fun little history lesson. The Chargers have actually played the Jaguars the last three years and have beaten them every every year. So there's something kind yeah, of fun. This, this Jags team is not the last three years Jags teams, though. For sure, but it's still Blake Bortles. You know, and and that's and, my key. And that's where I go down, and we're on the same page probably on this. I think it's force Blake Bortles to win this game. Yes, on sir. You. Stack the shit out of that box. Make Leonard Fournette really work hard for those yards, which he's very capable of doing. But really make it hard on him, and make Blake Bortles. He had a good week last week. Yes, he did. Full disclosure: Blake Bortles did a wonderful job last week. Yes, but he he's did. not a he's not a consistent quarterback. I love it when you guys pick against Jacksonville because I always win when you pick against Jacksonville. Who said I was this picking against great. Jacksonville? This is great. Who said I was picking against Jacksonville? I just think that's the key. I think the key is make Blake Bortles win, and you might have a chance. You might have a chance. Absolutely. I'm not a huge fan of the skill players in Jacksonville other than obviously Leonard Fournette and I literally think put every man you have in the box Stack the shit and out play of man coverage on the outside and again, no team has been able to do this because this game is not going to be one in the 30s. It's going to be one in the teens at best. More and than I likely. think you got to make Blake Bortles turn the ball over. Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa need to make his life a living hell and have a Casey Hayward interception return for a touchdown on the back end. Brian, who are you picking? Uh, you know, this smells of Jacksonville loss. This just smells off of off of their bye week, the L.A. Chargers coming in. And Jacksonville could be overlooking this team. I guarantee you they were overlooking this I, team. No, I, 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 actually, I disagree. I disagree wholeheartedly with that. I disagree with that with, with the fact that they beat them last year. A lot of those players remember that game. Mm. 38-14. They mm-hmm. kicked the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Jacksonville because I'm a believer of Jacksonville. Um, I really believe that the Jacksonville Jaguars are a playoff team, and and I, I I do think it'll be a lot closer. I don't. I, it's not a guarantee. I think Jacksonville better have a very keen idea of how they're going to stop Philip Rivers, but how they're going to they're going to control the ball and get Leonard Fournette those really big holes and score three touchdowns. That's that's how they're going to win this game. I don't think Blake Bortles is going to beat the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't Chargers. think he has to. I'm I don't uh, think Blake Bortles has to beat the Chargers for the Jags to win this game, but go ahead, Tony. Mo, my plan for this game is to make Blake Bortles beat you, and I agree I don't think he can. I also disagree with what I said earlier in that I'm, I'm killing the Anthony Lynn head coach. I think the Los Angeles Chargers steal this game in Jacksonville. Solely based on the fact that I bet the season under on the Jacksonville team, and they need to start losing some games if I have a hope of winning. That doesn't this look bet. good for you, dude. It does not. I'd kiss that money it goodbye. It does not. Let the Jacksonville go Jaguars Chargers. have l- allowed just to to put a cap on this the fewest points in the NFL this season. To quote Arnold Schwarzenegger, "Go Chargers, go." Let's move on to the pick'em section. Left coasters. 
And welcome back. We are in the Pick'em section, the Pick'em section of the Left Coasters podcast. My name is Tony Cavallo, Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, Brian the Ballerina Balzarini. We are the Left Coasters podcast on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. We have a website, theleftcoasterspodcast.com. And we have an email account, theleftcoasterspodcast at gmail.com, where you can reach us for any questions you have for this wonderful NFL season. Now, Dangles and Brian both were 8-5 and five last season. Dangles still the reigning champion of this season at Woo. an 80-52 record. 80-52. and 52. that 80 mark, baby. Very That's good. what's up. Very good record. Brian, two games behind at 78-54. and 54. Myself, five games off the lead at 75-57 and 57 after going 7-6 and six last week. I promise you, left coast. This is not the end of Tony Cavallo. I'm coming back and just starting this week, which is why I picked the Chargers over the Jacksonville Jaguars, unlike the other two, and we all picked the Rams. So, Brian, let's do Week 10. All right, here we go. The start of Tony's comeback is going to be this Thursday, the Seahawks at the Cardinals. Who you got, Tony? I don't know, because Arizona's a tough team to, to garner, but I don't think Drew Stanton beats Seattle, so I guess I'm going to go with Seattle. Seattle. Dangles, who you got? Yeah, absolutely no way Drew Stanton beats Seattle. The Seattle team is uh, going to be mad that they Seattle lost Seattle team home. is beatable, though. They are beatable, because they did, they did lose at home this past week to the Washington Redskins, uh, but I, I think they come back and, and they win this one. I think I'm going to go with Seattle as well. They're just too strong, and I think the Arizona Cardinals, although they're uh, a team that y- you can't sleep on, they're not a team that is in contention. I think that plays heavily into it. Uh, next, we have the start of the Sunday games. It's your Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears. Very interesting. Are you are you going to select your Green Bay Packers in this one? No. It's over, isn't it? <laughs> it's just this team is terrible, dude. It's just coached by a terrible oh, person. Man. Dom Capers is not going to come back as the defensive coordinator. My hope is Mike McCarthy's not back as the head coach. You're wearing your '66 Green Bay Packers <sighs> Ray jersey. Jersey. It's a fucking throwback sweater too. But I still think Chicago and Mitch Trubisky win this game, which is weird because Chicago does their best at running the ball, and Green Bay, for the first time since I can remember in a long, long time, has actually a, a sufficient rushing defense. Jordan Howe and Tariq Cohen. They're going to have to do more than just run the ball to beat them, but I, I just don't have any faith in this Green Bay team, Bears. Yeah, I'm definitely going Chicago as well. This game is at, at Soldier Field. I think they they squeeze one out here. Uh, Chicago's proven that they can hang with teams that are good. They they have proven that they can they play with the best of them, and this Green Bay team, frankly, I hate to say it, Tony, looks terrible. Uh, they do not look like they're confident in their quarterback. I think most of all is what worries me about winning, they, they're rather that team winning games, is the fact that they don't look confident in Brett Hundley to win games for them, and that is not enough on that team that uh, mm. is dealing with huge injuries on the offensive line, yeah. does not have a running identity, yeah. uh, and does not have a defense. Yeah. I'm actually going to be picking the Green Bay Packers. You're I think I'm, I'm not because I think with this year being the way it is, I believe the Packers are still fighting for something. I really don't think the Chicago Bears are any are in any position to get into the playoffs this year. Although having a great defense, I believe the Green Bay Packers match up well against them fairly well. And I think Brett Hundley is a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky right now. Mm. And I think that is a, a, a something to behold. And you know, there I think Mike McCarthy has a really good chance at getting these guys prepared from a tactical standpoint to take on the one-dimensional offense of Mitchell Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. So, go Pack Go. Next, we have the uh, Browns at the Lions. Okay, Detroit. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Lions here. All right, that's an easy one all around. Detroit. I have a question before we move on. Yes, sir. What will you do if Detroit loses this game? 
Ooh. Like it's will, not it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. No, it's not. It's, it's not. It's pretty out of I the mean, realm. I mean, it's it's like, not will likely. Will you like eat your hat? Like what what would you do if Detroit? Well, what make, article of clothing oh, would you consume if you make if make they, a make a bet right now with the left coast's universe? Brian the ballerina Belzerini will do this if Cleveland upsets. What would make Detroit. you happy? Because it sounds like you've got something in mind. I would say uh, uh, let's let's take a shot of spoiled milk. I'm a vegan, man. I don't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that if you paid me. How about th- how about this? I will I will buy you both dinner and I will kill the Detroit Lions next week. That's a lot. Ooh, you heard it here first on the Left Coast's podcast. Moving on. Do not lose. <laughs> do not lose that game for me, Caldwell. That is a big. That is a big. Bet. I will buy I will buy you dinner and I will kill the Detroit that Lions. Daddy's, daddy's, That's a big bet. Daddy's getting a T-bone. <laughs> next we have the uh, I didn't say where I didn't say where but yeah it'll probably be Slaters uh, next we have the Steelers at the Colts good on the Colts by the way big win <laughs> Slaters 50-50 by the way the official pre-podcast home of the left coast congratulations on the Indy, you won the game I think Jacoby Brissett is the uh, Indianapolis Colt quarterback of the future although I think Pittsburgh is the class of the AFC they win this game yep totally Pittsburgh is looking pretty unbeatable and how about Juju Smith-Schuster yeah man yeah great name Great talent. Uh, I'm going with the Steelers as well. Next we have, I like this game. This game has some implications. Uh, the Saints at the Bills. Yeah, that's a good game. Nobody I, uh, would have, nobody could have paid me to think good, that was yeah, going to be yeah, a game. If you, had, if you had asked me about this game in week one, I would have said this this game is garbage. I'm picking the Saints uh, because I think that, and this is something that Tony Romo had alluded to during the Thursday night broadcast between the Bills and the Jets this past week. They got the doors blown out uh, of them. Yeah, they absolutely did. And <laughs> the, the Bills are not built to come back from behind. No. They no, don't no. have that kind of team. They are built on give the ball to Shady McCoy for the first two downs, and you better hope that he gets you a first down so you don't have to resort to some third down, drawn-up sort of scramble passing play for Tyrod Taylor that really only has two sort of progression options before he shifts to the run the ball to the first down marker and peel out of the pocket option. That's plan C. There is no, like, third or fourth receiver for them. So I I just think think the Saints are going to score early. They're going to score often. And as I said, I just I agree with Tony Romo. I don't think the Bills are built to come back from a deficit. And I think... I think they lose at home. I think the loser of this game we know is a pauper in this NFL, and the winner of this game is most definitely a prince, and I'm going with New Orleans. I'm going to go with New Orleans. I really believe the New Orleans Saints are the scariest team in the NFL. They're, they are scary, but no one's respecting I the literary with that reference that I just made. Not the made. scariest team in the NFL. No, scariest but, NFL team no, in No one wants to far. give me credit for the literary reference. I thought it was seamlessly the prince and the, the pauper. Yeah, we know. Into there. Yeah, we got All right, it. moving on. Uh, next, we have the Jets at the Buccaneers. Not such a great game. Tampa Bay stinks. They got to be really disappointed. Cotter's gone. Tampa Bay stinks. Which, by the way, when are we going to start doing our uh, head coach's uh, first coach fired? That's a good question. I think with all these terrible teams like Dirk Cutter led, uh, fucking terrible, just Tampa Bay stinks. I think we should do first coach fired next week. So listen here Deal. first for the Week 11 podcast. Next week, we were going to break down first coach fired and Dirk Cutter. Leading the charge. Uh, I'm going to go with the New York Jets, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Dangles, do you got the balls to pick 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? No, uh, I don't. I think the New York Jets. When was the last time Matt Forte found the end zone? Twice. He first looks of all, great. he looked very good. They actually have three decent running backs uh, in their backfield there in New York. Josh McCown at 38 years old is playing uh, like he wished he could have played when he was 28 because he sucked it when he was 28. Tom He's Brady, much better who? now. He's much better now as a 38 year old. Uh, and that defense is actually keeping people honest in in New York. I think if we had all asked us at the beginning of this season, we probably would have had Todd Bowles, not Dirk Cutter, leading the charge of Absolutely. coaches to be fired at this point in the season. And yet, here we are. I'm picking New York. What's funny about New York, 22nd ranked offense, 24th ranked defense. <laughs> They're just winning games somehow <laughs> with that with that terrible breakdown of offense and, and defense. Still, they are going to power Tampa Bay. So, who do you pick? I'm going to pick the New York Jets okay. as well. Uh, next, we have the Vikings at the Redskins. Love this game and everything it stands for. Interesting game, a very I, interesting. I'm going to go first. I'm picking the Washington Redskins. Washington's a scary team, man. They're scarier than you think. That defense is the real deal. Kirk Cousins is obviously the real deal, and they won a huge game in Seattle last week. And to give up a touchdown late, the way they did. We've seen Russell kill teams by doing that very thing, scoring late, but Kirk Cousins had just enough time. Josh Doxson made an amazing catch. The reason you draft him number one in the first round to make that catch, Kirk Cousins won that game, and it was in a big-time swing, swing of the momentum win for them. I still think, though, for some reason, this defense in Minnesota is the real deal, and Case Keenum, Case Keenum, is going to win this game. I'm going with Minnie. Dangles. I've got the Redskins here. Let's talk about how great, great Russell Wilson has been in the fourth quarter this season and the fact that Washington was able to keep them from winning that game in the final minutes of, of the game. I mean, that's that's a feat in and of itself. Not only to beat Washington, or not only to beat Seattle in Seattle, which nobody does, but to keep Russell Wilson from beating you in the fourth quarter, the way that he's played in fourth quarters of this game. We all watched the end of that shootout between uh, uh, the previ- previously uh, previous to injury Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. This is a guy who comes to play in the fourth quarter, um, and Washington was able to to, to shut them down. Uh, I like the Redskins to get a sneaky win at FedEx Field and land over here. I think what also plays in the Washington. Redskins' favor is that they actually have and and are in a better division. They've lost the Philadelphia Eagles. They've lost the Dallas Cowboys, both which I think most people would agree are playoff teams. Mm-hmm. I think the Minnesota Vikings, however, are in a division that's less talented, and I think their six and two record makes them to 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 look better than they actually are. I agree. I think the Washington Redskins are poised to win at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Next, we have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. I mean, is Tennessee good? No, I don't think Tennessee is good so much as Cincinnati's bad. But don't sleep on Tennessee and Mariota with with the likes of Houston kind of falling back and and obviously Jacksonville doing their thing. Um, Yeah, but is Tennessee, in a nutshell, good? No. No. No, they are inconsistent, and that's their biggest problem. Yeah. And I think you got to be scared a little bit that Marcus Mariota hasn't turned into that second, you know, great tiered he quarterback. He made that next step, yeah. Yeah, not the one that Wentz or, or Goff are making in year two. That's kind of the thing that you have to be a little worried about oh, as Mariota this is year fan. three for Mariota, But that's too, my point, know? even more so, is that it's scary that he hasn't. I'm still picking the Tennessee Titans for this game because I think the Bengals are a lost 
lost cause as a team. <laughs> they do look terrible. Yeah. So Again, you want to talk about another t- another head coach on the hot seat, Marvin, Marvin Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, oh, for I sure. I'm going with. I'm, I'm going with t- yeah, I'm going with Tennessee here. As uh, good as Cincinnati's defense is, their offense is ranked 32nd. Their passing offense is 28th. Their rushing awful. offense is 32nd. Those are all just not things that say to me, I'm going to score points this game. Yeah, I just for some reason I see Tennessee hitting a speed bump here, and I think Cincy steals a win. I don't know why. I'm picking Cincy for the upset. I also just see Tennessee just making this run to the AFC South more interesting yeah we've been thinking that all year we all love they're five and three man we all love tennessee entering the year but for some reason tennessee every time i watch them play it just doesn't scare me i don't they're not flashy they're not flashy which is unfortunate with a guy like marietta uh next we have the start of the afternoon games great game cowboys at the falcons Mm. are we sure it's a great game it's a great game because you can see atlanta for some odd silly fucking reason bringing their a game this i don't think atlanta's good I don't think Atlanta's good. They're, I think good, they're not Super great. Bowl, they're still the defending NFC champs. I think that Super Bowl hangover is real, and I think Dallas is a real deal. With or without Zeke in this game, I think they're a real deal team. I think Dallas kills them. The Atlanta Falcons currently have the 6th-ranked offense and the 12th-ranked defense. The Cowboys have the 8th and 14th, respectively. And they just still can't win games. I sure. like Dallas. Absolutely. I'm going with Dallas as well, but do not count the Atlanta Falcons out. No, I don't think you should. I am also going with Dallas. I'm counting them out. We could all be wrong on that one. Uh, next we have—here we go, guys. This is a doozy. The New York Giants at the San Francisco 49ers. I believe that's a combined record of 1-15. and 15. It is. 1-15. <laughs> and 15. I got to say, if there's one game that looks like it could be a victory for the San Francisco 49ers, it might be against Alex Elche's New York Giants. Does Garoppolo play? I think that's a big key to this game. Coin and toss. Whether or not the 49ers win, because Kyle Shanahan has said on the record that he is not certain whether or not he's going to even play Jimmy Garoppolo Mm. at all this season. Mm. It would be a stretch, I think, personally, for him to even be involved this week. Two weeks is an awfully short amount of time for an NFL quarterback to get involved with a completely new uh, system, especially given the complexity with which we know that Kyle Shanahan runs his offensive schemes. Speaking of quarterbacks, I got a text from New York Giants insider Alex Alchain. He (laughs) said that Eli Manning is hurt and may not play in this game, and they may not go to Geno Smith, but rather activate a quarterback off the practice squad, their third stringer, Davis Webb, the rookie from Cal to start and play in this game against San Fran. New York Giants have given up another Bob, Ben, McAdoo, whatever your name may be, another one on the hot seat for first coach fired. I can't wait to talk about that next week. I am picking, I am guessing that Jimmy Garoppolo plays in this game and starts in this game, and I think San Fran beats the New York football Giants. I am picking the 49ers because I can just see right now the San Francisco 49ers getting a moral victory win against the lowly, lowly New York A team that has clearly given up. Oh, my God, that's secondary. You could just see guys when they got beat just looking back and going, That Robert "Ah." Woods play for for Los Angeles, if you watch the replay of that game, look at two things. One, the terrible angle that a pro bowler in Landon Collins takes to make that tackle, and two, watch Eli Apple on that play. Watch Eli Apple on that play, and he just doesn't want to touch Robert Woods at all. He had the chance to make the tackle to stop the first down and then also was in the play to to secure no touchdown and just decides to, like, keep backing away. Eli Apple, you are a punk. You are an absolute punk if you don't want to make that tackle. Robert Woods is not a a megastar Calvin Johnson-type build. He's a regular-sized human being when it comes to the NFL, and Eli Apple didn't want to get his nose dirty. New York Giants stink. 49ers all the way. Dangles. 
Uh, I'm going with the Giants here. You're an idiot. Uh, I I don't know about that. I think uh, the only game the Giants have won this year is on the road. So, you know, that's a good, I guess, sign for them uh, in this sense. Uh, The the 49ers are terrible. With C.J. Beathard, who I think probably ends up starting, I think it's much less likely that Jimmy Garoppolo starts this game. They are not going to beat the New York Giants. I just Eli Manning has got to turn this around eventually. He hasn't got to do shit. We have seen Orleans Darkwa can be a lead guy for them. (laughs) He did run for over 100 yards two weeks ago. I know that's funny. They don't have any wide receiving core. This is very true. If they can keep the 49ers off the board, I think they can win this game. The real question is, did the New York Giants even go home to New York after this game? They just probably stayed on the West Coast, and and, and they're probably just smoking bags of weed. I mean, they're officially not the New York Giants because they play in New Jersey. You mean like Dwayne Brown did after? I'm pretty sure after the Texans uh, lost to Seattle, I'm fairly certain that uh, Dwayne Brown just stayed in Seattle and (laughs) waited for that trade to happen. He didn't even bother going back to Houston to gather his things. He's like, fuck this. I'm just staying here. Move on. All right, we got the uh, Sunday night game. This is the New England Patriots at the Denver Broncos. Because what probably was at the beginning of the season a gem of a game now looks to be, be kind of a no. I don't it does, think it's not. So. It's not going to live up to the bill it there's, was. There's not a team in Tom Brady's career that has given him more fits than the Denver Broncos. But at no point do I see this Denver offense shaping up for this week. New England is is very very good at points. They can be beaten as they've shown this year. But I don't think Denver can do it. I'm going to pick New England against my better judgment. Yeah. If this were the opposite way around and the Broncos offense were its strong suit, I would say that there is a good chance that they are going to beat the Patriots. However, they're, you know, just not good on offense this year at all. And especially with the Brockett chip brought up Brock Osweiler uh, looking to make the start in Denver. I don't see them winning this game. The Patriots have the best offense in the NFL. That defense has been proven that they can be beaten. And I think the Patriots walk all over. Brock them. Osweiler has beaten New England before though. Yes, he has. In a very good game for the Denver Broncos. Yes, that's true. I, I, I don't think, I don't think it happens this year at all. No, absolutely not. Uh, I think circumstances were much different when, when, yeah. when Brock Osweiler won yeah. that game against the New England Patriots. I don't see a replication of that this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, New England Patriots as well. I think Tom Brady is just going to be revved up for this game, knowing his history with the Denver Broncos. And I just doesn't. I don't think it really matters if you've got Paxton, you know, Pizza Boy Lynch at quarterback with Brockett Ship. It doesn't really matter because I just don't think that team feel. I mean, that defense was. The, it was the first game this past week where I saw the cracks in that defense. So I'm going to pick yeah, the New England Patriots. Up. They gave up. Sure did. Uh, now we have the Monday night game: the Miami Dolphins versus the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, this is easy. Why do the Miami Dolphins have another primetime game. This is the third, by the way, primetime game in the row. Two weeks ago, they had the Thursday night game. This past week, they had the Sunday night game. And this week, they've got the Monday night game. So you have run the gauntlet. Congratulations, Miami. You still fucking blow. You're going to lose this game (laughs) to Carolina. All right, so we're all going to pick Carolina here, right? Yes, who actually have the number one defense. Uh, Yeah, I I know. I think they're very good. Uh, uh, But a little... Uh, preview for next week's first coach fired is Adam Gase in the conversation. Absolutely, no. he has to be. No, yeah, he has to be. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how he it was calling guys out for not bringing their work home to prep for them. 
I don't think that you can just put that on the players. You have to I put think that on the coach. that goes back to the coaching staff as well. And if you as a coach are getting up there and saying, my guys aren't going home and taking and studying and looking at the playbook and learning stuff on the, about the game plan from week to week, to me, that says my players don't respect me. My players don't respect me as a coach, and that's not something I want to see if I'm an owner. I'm agreeing with Brian on the fact that it's a no because I think they have faith in Adam Gase as a young head coach to go through these troubles. But also, if I was Adam Gase, I would love to be fired from Miami. I think Miami is a sinking ship, and I think Ryan Tannehill, when he comes back, oh, is he not should totally the get off of it when he can. And if I'm Adam Gase, I wouldn't mind being fired and taking a job that could be open in the NFL somewhere. But it may have to me. be a coordinator position to start with, but you know, I can count eight teams who are more than likely going to lose their head coach before Adam Gase leaves. Can't wait. Can't eight. wait to talk about this next week. And with that, we are ending week. Whoa, whoa Panthers. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're all picking the Panthers. Panthers, thank yeah. you. Just fuck Miami. They suck. <laughs> Moving on. That is the Left Coasters podcast. Tony Cavallo, Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, Brian, the ballerina, Balzarini. Hopefully yours truly makes a, a leap back into the standings in this Sunday pick and we shall know next week here on the Left Coasters podcast. And I think we got to end this week now that the Rams are going to be hosting a playoff game. We know this. They're going to be. Ho- we're gonna, they're going to win that division. We're putting our stamp on it. It's going to happen. They're going to be hosting a playoff game. We will be hosting a Saturday satellite uh, playoff podcast somewhere so let's end this podcast the way we ended every podcast last year with a hearty ram it Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast